Amen. What a wonderful start we had this morning. I really want to thank all of you from the depth of my heart for having Anakazot people in such large numbers. I think you must give yourselves a very, very big hand. I just pray that God will keep us faithful in continuing Kamasebetrohai. In this session, it's a short session wherein we're going to have seven of our Barutis who's going to be ministering here one after another around the seven sayings of Jesus Christ on the cross. Each one of them is allocated three minutes. And as I said that we have a trap door here. If they take longer than three minutes, we just press a button and then they disappear. But I believe that it's going to be a wonderful time of learning, revelation, and uh, I will introduce the first one and the rest of the ones I have asked Bishop Matola to assist me in introducing the rest of them. These are our administrators, senior administrators, overseers, and pastors from our different churches. And to get us off the ground, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like us to welcome senior administrator Pritchard Ngomani. Give him a big hand, Bazalana. And set your watches to three minutes. I mean, let's make the man feel welcome, Bazalana. Give him a warm welcome. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Grace Bible Church, hallelujah. I'd like to greet our father, uh, the presiding bishop, uh, Bishop Musa Sono. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to share uh, in this seven sayings. Uh, of Jesus Christ. Our scripture reading will be from Luke 23, verse 33 to 34. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified, one on his right side and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are saying, what they are doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing a dice. We see uh, after they have uh, uh, inflicted so much pain on Jesus, we see him uh, after they've also crucified him, lay, nailed him on the cross, we see him uh, still being able to say something. And the Bible tells us that he was able to say, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. It was an unselfish prayer. What Jesus is saying, what was Jesus saying in this? In his last hour, Jesus is saying a prayer, a request to God Almighty. It is remar remarkable, however, that Jesus isn't asking for himself. I will be terrified and overwhelmed, trying desperately to retain my composure. My prayer will probably uh, be, God help me if I could utter any sound at all. But Jesus' prayer is one of complete unselfishness. He is concerned for the people who are responsible for crucifying him and is asking God to forgive them. Instead of thinking of himself and his own needs, he is thinking of those uh, souls he uh, uh, is thinking of those whose souls are in much greater peril than his own. The first thing I learned from this is, the word, is love. And uh, Jesus 
shows extreme uh, uh, love. It shows that he loves us. Firstly, he uses the word father, a term of trust, confidence, and endearment. But his love is not merely for those, uh, for those that have crucified him. He is actually, it's not only for those that have crucified him, but it is also for you and me. So he speaks not for himself, but also for others. He uses the word father, which is a very uh, uh, term of endearment. He could have used God, Lord, Almighty God, Creator, God, uh, but he uses the word father because it demonstrates the relationship that he has with the father and the trust that he has uh, uh, for God. He believes that God is with him even in this difficult time and that God is going to help him through uh, uh, this difficulty that he was faced with. But the other thing that we see is who does he refer to when he speaks of them? He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. In this instance, he is not only speaking of the soldiers, uh, uh, Pilate, or the chief priests and the scribes, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but he is also speaking of you and I. He, he is considering us. He says, forgive them. You know, he is also including you and I in this uh, uh, request that he made to God. We are the ones that made it possible for him to go to the cross. So you and I made the cross necessary. We are the ones he's praying for uh, to be forgiven. But what I also like is that uh, Jesus says we do not know what we are doing. Jesus' prayer on the cross tells me that God has found a way uh, to forgive us. What does it mean to forgive? To forgive is to me, it means to pardon. It means uh, that our debt has been paid. And as Jesus begins the last phase of his life, dying on a cross, hung between earth and heaven, he, pays, he prays for all of us who put him there. He calls uh, out to his father without any shame at the intimacy of his love and the authenticity of his sonship. Father, forgive them. And so we pray today, Father, forgive us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Indeed, Father, forgive us, for we don't know what to do. What an assuring message. At this moment, let's welcome Pastor Nelly Mazibuko as he going to take the word of God. Truly, I say to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Truly, I tell you, you will be with me in paradise. Luke 23, verse 43. The second word again is about forgiveness. This time directed to a sinner, just as the first word. The, this biblical expression is found only in the gospel of, of Luke. Jesus showed his divinity by opening heaven for a repentant sinner. Such generosity to a man that only asked to be remembered. This expression offers us hope for salvation. For if we turn our hearts and prayers to him and accept his forgiveness, we will also be with Jesus Christ at the end of our lives here on earth. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just 
us to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. According to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, Jesus took our sin, our deaths, our guilt, and died for them. He did not have to do this, but his entire purpose coming to earth was not only to love us, not only to show empathy to us by taking on human flesh, but to die for us in order for us to be free from penitent of sin. John 3 verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We see the love of God demonstrated on the cross of Calvary for the entire human race. Jesus does not care what you have done but acknowledges when you come to him with a repentant heart. You too can be saved just like this man. Your sins can be forgiven and you can experience a new life in Christ Jesus. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like a crimson, they shall become like wool. What a privilege to be loved by our heavenly Father. This reminds me of a song we sing. Amazing grace, how sweet thy sound. That save a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, now I see. It was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace appear the hour i first believe hallelujah now we are going to welcome our senior administrator um, Pastor Livwani Mutabatsindi, followed by our bishop, uh, Bishop Muresi Koiya. As we are going to be receiving the third and the fourth ways of Christ on the cross. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Greetings in the wonderful name of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Pazalwani. Amen. I'm doing the third word which says, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And what does today mean? Today it shows is the start. Today it shows the beginning. To show, today it shows where you have to start in your life. And as Christ was blameless without sin and was not guilty of such horrific death, but the two men who were guilty of their crimes hung next to him in that fateful day. Both men spoke to Jesus, but only one will die to be greeted into the promise of heaven. Today, what does today mean in your personal life? What does today in my life? Today I have got promises. Promises of saying that I'll be a child of God according to, to John chapter 1 verse 12. Today to me it says... I am the salt of the earth, according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Today it says, I'm the light of the world, according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. Today it means to me, I've got the promised inheritance in Christ Jesus, according to Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. Today, what does it mean to you? Today it means you can start somewhere. Today it means that where you have made wrong, you can make it right today. Today's promises that have got more advantage in your life. Today it means 
I'm released from the judgment of sin. According to John chapter 5 verse 24, what does today mean? Today I mean I am in the second sustaining power of Christ Jesus and the promise of eternal life. According to John chapter 6 verse 37 to 40, what does today mean that I will be in paradise? What does today mean? Today mean it to me, deliver, I'm delivered from working in the spiritual darkness and now I'm in the light of life. What does today mean? Today mean I'm alive in Christ Jesus. According to John chapter 8 verse 12, what does today mean? Today means you still have got an opportunity to accept Christ as your personal savior. Today means you can still continue and conquer for tomorrow. Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody said, somebody said, God is good. All the time. God is good. God is good. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us in Matthew 27 verse 46, Jesus said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Brothers and sisters, let me tell you what was happening. This was at nine, at, at, at at nine o'clock when Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross. The Bible tells us that at 12 o'clock, there was darkness for three hours until at three o'clock. Between 12 o'clock and three, and, and three o'clock, there was silence and there was nothing happening. But in the midst of that, Jesus stopped the silence by crying out. Everybody knew, everybody heard this voice when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What was happening in the heart of Jesus? The Bible tells us when Jesus was saying that word, he was thinking of me and he was thinking of you. He was realizing that the sin of man is going to come upon him. And when he thought about the sin, Jesus Christ realized that he has to go to his father God, the God that he trusts, the God that he knows. And he cried and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So at this time, we realize that Jesus Christ was separated from God. Why was he separated from God? He was separated from God because of your sin, because of your sin, because of your sin. You are so special before God because God himself can actually turn around and separate himself from Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of your life. This is the love of God that we are talking about. And when that happens, Jesus Christ realized that he's going to be sinful, but God knew he had a plan. Can I have an amen, somebody? Amen. At this one, we realized that Jesus, he was suffering. Jesus is separated from God. And Jesus was thinking about me. And Jesus was thinking about you. But why was Jesus separated? He was separated because when God looked down and saw his son bearing the sin of the world, he didn't see his son. He saw the sin. Hallelujah. And when he saw a sin, a holy God cannot look at the sin because Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 13 says 
Thy eyes are too pure to approve evil, and thou canst not look on wicked, but with favor. Hallelujah. But when he continued, the Bible tells us that Jesus suffered righteousness of wrath, and that we find in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4, it says, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. So when he was crying, Jesus was separated from God. When he was trying, he was giving us an opportunity to cry unto God and say, Abba, Father. And what is Jesus teaching us? Brothers and sisters, Jesus is teaching us, it's okay to cry. Hallelujah. It's okay to call unto God. I don't know what your issues are. I don't know what promise you have before God. But Jesus today, the Bible says, he cried out with a loud voice. Will you cry out with a loud voice? You don't have to look who's, who's standing behind you. You don't have to look who's, who's, who's saying anything about you. But all you need to know, you have to learn from Jesus. It's okay to cry in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible tells us, God says, I'm inviting you. Cast all my cares unto me. Because he cares for you. God is a caring God. And also, Jesus is showing us that silence does not mean the absence of God. Because when Jesus started saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It looked like nothing was happening. And yet, God knew that Jesus was the Savior of the world. God knew that God knew that Jesus was the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So, brothers and sisters, saints, when God is silent, it doesn't mean that he's working in the background. Because the Bible tells us, he who knew no sin was made to be seen for us so that we can become daughters and sons of God. And hallelujah. Amen. And lastly, when it was silent, Jesus was thinking about your pain. He went through pain so that you should not go through pain again. He went through pain to realize that when you are in pain, you are never alone. So this, this message is for those that are going through pain. It's for those that have lost hope. It is for those that feel that they are being abandoned. But when Jesus was abandoned, Father God has a plan and purpose for him because he ended in victory. Can I have an amen, somebody? Amen. We are going to welcome on the stage our senior administrator, Pastor Vincent Mokanzi, who's going to say, I thirst, followed by Pastor Mokadi Mojela, who say it is finished. Let's put our hands together as we welcome Pastor Vincent Mokanzi. Hallelujah, Grace Bible Church! In the book of John, chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus said the following, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. Jesus said this to fulfill prophecy that we find in the book of Psalms, chapter 69, verse 21. The Bible says, They gave me vinegar, for my thirst. Why was Jesus thirsty? Why was he thirsty? He was thirsty from his journey to the cross, carried all our sins 
that was a heavy burden, the sins of the world. Why was he thirsty? He was thirsty because of the beatings and the persecution he suffered, yet he had no sin. Why was Jesus thirsty? He was praying. As he was praying, Jesus prayed until he said, his blood, his body, everything in him, he started to sweat blood because Jesus was praying and he was praying for us. Jesus said, I am thirsty. I am thirsty. This is uh, the words that Jesus spoke when he was in the cross, just before he was crucified, approaching the cross to save us. This was the last request Jesus made to mankind before he was crucified. Jesus made this request before in his life. And we see this firstly when he spoke to the Samaritan woman in the book of John chapter 4, verse 7. Jesus said, will you give me a drink? Again, we see this. Jesus, when he was talking to his father, when he was praying in Matthew chapter 26, verse 42, he said, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. God gave him the cup of our sins to drink. I love it in the message translation. The Bible says when Jesus spoke to his father, he said the following, my father, if there's no other way than this, drinking this cup to the dregs, meaning the scums, the good for nothing, the lowest of the low. Jesus said, I am ready to do it your way. Why was he thirsty? Lastly, when he was talking to the crowd that was about to crucify him, Jesus said, I am thirsty. In the book of John 19, verse 29, the Bible says the following, and they filled a sponge with vinegar and put it upon his soap and put it to his mouth. Jesus was given vinegar to drink bitterness for our sins. Because of this, Jesus said, is saying the following today. In the book of Revelation 22, verse 19, he says the following, whoever is thirsty, let him come and let him drink the water of life that I give him. Jesus was thirsty so that you no longer be thirsty. God bless you. It is finished. Taking from my senior administrator, John 19, verse 29 to 30, it says, A jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge and put the sponge and then took it with a hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, he said, it is finished. Why is it that after tasting the wine, he said, it is finished. Matthew 27, 34 and Mark 15, 23 records that as Jesus went to the cross, they, give, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. When he had tasted thereof, he would not drink. The drink offered to Jesus was a cheap vinegar wine used to dull 
the census. It was the custom at the time, the Romans to offer a man being crucified the wine so that he might easily endure the cross. Oh, but see our master, even with the hiss of plant, as it is mentioned in the Bible, it was known for its cleansing effect, symbolically the cleansing of the soul. Oh, but look at our master, having known what these things could do to him, but he chose not to drink because he wanted to go through the suffering with a sober mind, with a clear mind. It is finished, he said, with a clear mind, meaning the work his father has sent him to do, to teach the gospel, perform miracles, to achieve reconciliation between God and man was fulfilled. The debt of sin was fully paid. Why was it necessary for Jesus to go through all this, you may ask? It was not only that we may have life more abundantly, but because it is because God hates sin. To correct this, men had to sacrifice animal to animals to appease him. But the blood of animals was temporal. Hebrews 10, 3 to 5 says, but instead those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sin year by year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Whatever you are going through has a sell-by date, lack, loss, setback, or sickness. Rest assured, they too shall pass. It has been a year, you may say. It has been five years. How long? Oh, well, let me tell you. Jesus had lived with the gruesome idea of death for 33 years. Will you then, will your situation then last for that long? Oh, not at all. Colossians 1.27 says, To them God had chosen to make known among the Gentiles the, the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Also remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Psalm 61 verse 2 says, From the end of the earth, I will cry to you when my heart is overwhelmed and faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Jesus is the towering rock of safety. It is finished. It is the English translation of a Greek word, tetelestai, which comes to from a verb that says teleo, which means to bring to an end, to complete, to accomplish. This then confirms that only did Jesus' death on the cross give all the nonsense and the confusion a sell-by date, but it shows us Jesus as the example of a finisher. Whatever you are going through, you will pass that metric. You will be able to complete that project. You will be able to get a job because Jesus is, no, is the one who did it all for us so that you and I can live free. This is Jesus, the one who died and rose again, the hope of mankind. Now we are coming to the seventh words that Jesus said on the cross. Father, into your hands I commend my spirit by overseer Sem Masiho. 
Hallelujah. Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. These are the words that we find in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. When Jesus Christ, our Savior, willingly gave up his life for you and for me. So you do matter to someone and his name is Jesus. This perfect prayer which was uttered from the depth of his heart goes a long way to our life. It is a prayer of complete surrender to the Heavenly Father. A prayer of total abandonment. A prayer of unwavering trust in Him. A prayer to God who is very faithful. No one could take the life of Jesus from Him because He willingly gave it because He had a specific task. The task was to lay down His life on behalf of the world. Talking about you and me. John 10 verse 18 the Bible says no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also to take it up again. For this is what my father in heaven has commanded. Just as it was for Jesus he had a God given task to pursue. It was a choice that Jesus had to lay down his life. Not only that, after a difficult period of thinking, Jesus ultimately concluded that he will obey God Almighty. The scripture tells us that Jesus Christ, son of the living God, my savior, your savior, my healer, your healer, cried to God and said, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Into your hands, he says, I commit myself. Into your hands, he says, I entrust my whole being into your hands he said I place my very core all of me all about me is safer in you oh God in the same way your life is safe and can be safe in the hands of God because he was fully God and he was fully man Jesus Christ our hope could have taken himself off the cross to remain alive he could have exercised his divine authority the power that was vested upon him as the son of God however our loving savior was obedient until the end somebody say thank you God his divine nature means he intentionally had to choose to no longer hold on to life all because he cared about you and I. He knew in that very moment it was in God alone that he could find peace which was guaranteed difficult as everything was same with you and I in difficult situations our peace can be found in God he knew that in those very trying times it was only in the hands of the great I am it was only in the hands of El Shaddai that he could remain victorious your life outside of God can never have victory. Thus King David declares in the book of Psalms chapter 31 verse 3 to 5. He says, you are my rock and my fortress. For the honor of your name, lead me out of this danger. Pull me from the trap of my enemies that they have said. For I have found protection in you alone. I entrust my spirit into your hands. He ends by saying, rescue me Lord, for you are a faithful God. Somebody say he is a faithful God. 
because the Lord is our refuge. David can comfortably commit as well his spirit in his hands. These were the last of Jesus Christ when he was dying. But David was using them in terms of life. He could entrust his very life like you and I can every moment of our life in our sovereign God. The focus of the passage is to remind us that God is there. God is the only stronghold that enemies cannot overcome. Somebody said amen. God is the only deliverer who will save us from the snare of the devil. If you can trust in him, you will not be defeated. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for us. The same Jesus who prayed and said to God, I command my spirit. God is our rock and our fortress. All he's waiting is for you and I to call on him. From the cross, Jesus showed us our most valuable treasure our spirit should be committed to God the moment you are saved that's what you have done remember the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1 it says the Lord's arm is not weak to save the Lord's arm is not weak to save in the King New King James says the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save so this afternoon ladies and gentlemen Always remember in times of difficulty that God in you, I have my safety. In God in you, I have my covering. God in you, I have my healing. God in you, I have my savior. In you, God, I have everything that I can ever want. All I am saying to you today, no matter what happens, run to God. For it is only in him we can commit our soul to. God richly bless you. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We want to thank our pastors who went through us, with us, through the seven ways of Christ. The number seven in the Bible is a number that stands for perfection. God knows that we are not perfect. We could not fulfill all the requirements of his righteousness his love, his holiness, and his justice. And he gave us Christ as a sacrifice. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. He understood our weakness. He understood our perfection and gave us a perfect savior. The number seven also stands for completion. That God's salvation, it's a balanced salvation. In it, we find everything. The economy is in it. Politics is in it. Your healing is in it. Your restoration is in it. Your renewal is in it. It is a complete package. He takes you from where you are, a sinner, but he never leaves you the same. He forgives you. He loves you. He cleanses you. He washes you and makes you his disciple. And number seven, for us mortal being, God knew that we are going to live having a week that has seven days. The gospel is relevant on a Monday. The gospel is relevant on a Tuesday. The gospel is relevant on a Wednesday. The gospel is relevant on a Thursday. The gospel is relevant on a Friday. The gospel is relevant on a Saturday. The gospel is relevant on a Sunday. 
it touches every aspect of your life every day of your week is a salvation week there is provision for a monday there is provision for a tuesday there is provision for a wednesday there is provision for the thursday friday saturday and sunday it's a total salvation maybe you just came in between the services you have never given your life to god jesus when he said these words on the cross he was saying them for you touching every area of your life when he was saying father forgive them you don't have to live in condemnation he forgives you when i says today i'll be with you in paradise we can paraphrase it and say god i i don't have to die today but fix my paradise fix where i live fix my home fix my job fix my company fix my community that is the paradise where you have placed me jesus reminds us when he says this is woman this is your son that we have families that need jesus and god has made provision for it when we have been forsaken rejected and abandoned he understands rejection that is why he says he who comes to me i will never chase away he who is in my hand nobody will unplug jesus understands the desires that you have that have not been fulfilled because he said on the cross i thirst But he says when he looks at the work that he was doing for salvation he said it's finished it's finished for you you don't have to save yourself you don't have to work for your salvation the price has been paid for you and when he closes he says your life is safe in god's hands if you want to give your life today as we have our eyes closed every head bowed could you raise your hand where you are we'd like to pray for you just raise your hand wherever you are sitting we want to make a prayer with you to receive christ we're going to ask the umbrellas to 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 be lowered anybody who want to give their lives to god today whatever burdens you are carrying whatever challenges you are carrying there were seven words that were fitting your situation i'd like to pray for you just raise your hand where you are so that we may pray together with you i'm going to ask all the people who have raised their hands could you kindly stand where you are just stand where you are so that we may pray together with you just stand everywhere where you are everywhere in the camp stand just stand wherever you are just stand just stand we're going to ask you make your way to the forward we want to pray for you just come from wherever you are and work all the way to the stage move along the path that have been created don't walk on the grass the ashes the marshals will show you just move down so that we can pray together with you come out of your seat and come down here so that we may pray for you as we sing we will be waiting for you for you to give your life to god 
You don't have to go through the struggles you have gone through. Because Christ has gone through for them, for you, for them. You don't have to cry again anymore as if there's nobody who loves you. God loves you. God cares for you. Just come and give your life to him. Just come. All the way from where you are. Just come. Just come. Just come.